Hi, I'm Dan Hornberger, the host of Breaking Chains, the podcast that focuses on the grassroots of disc golf, the amateurs, the local clubs, the individuals who make a difference, and those who have had their lives changed because of the sport. My guest for this episode is someone I met, of all places, at a deck hockey rink. You see, I grew up playing deck hockey, which is an elevated form of street hockey, played on a rink with official boards, players' benches, a penalty box. The area in which I grew up didn't have a local ice rink, so we opted for the next best thing. What I didn't know all those years ago is that some of the guys from the Robazonia area, the Lebanon area, had begun to play their own form of disc golf. Now, quite honestly, I'm not sure I was interested in what those guys were doing since they were on opposing teams, and back then, opposing players usually meant mortal enemies. But as most aging people know, those who we once viewed as enemies can turn out to be friends. And of course, I wish I knew then what I know now. Mike Dunkel has been a disc golf force in the Lebanon, Pennsylvania region for decades. A player, league coordinator, groundskeeper, course designer. Mike has done it all and continues to do so. He's one of those unsung heroes who have truly promoted this sport. Mike Dunkel, my guest for this episode of Breaking Chains. All right, Mike, tell me, who's Mike Dunkel? I'm one busy guy. Ask my wife, she'll tell you. I just don't sit still. I'm always doing something. If it's not hockey, it's disc golf, or I'm on the rec board. I'm always doing something. Busy. That's what I would say, calling me busy. You're actually on the rec board, the local rec board. Yes, I'm the chairman of the local rec board. That has to help with disc golf. Yes, it does. That's how we got Jackson in there, and we're actually looking at putting a second course at another park in our township. I I have to jump in right away and say that, you know, you and I uh, share a common love for for this one particular place, you know, the the Western Berks deck hockey rink. Talk about that, how deck hockey played a role in your life. Oh, geez. I'm sure you'll agree it was, uh, you lived there. I was 16. 17 when I when they built it and uh, started playing pretty much right away and just got into it and geez it was close to home so I just kind of lived there and it was like an everyday even if you weren't playing you were down at the rink you know just hanging yeah. out keeping score watching the games uh, hanging out with friends it was a place to get away you know had drive in right there so you'd sneak over to catch a, a movie <laughs> once in a while late night yeah, it was a great old great time back in the day and now we're in Myerstown right now and there's another rink in Myerstown correct yes yeah, so uh, Myerstown built a rink 20 years ago i wasn't involved in the actual building but it kind of just sat there so when i got on the rec board i pushed to get that we could run leagues there and start the rink up as we had in western Burks. and that's still operating now right yes yes this is our eighth year doing the league down here we have a spring and a fall league are the guys slowing down uh us older guys are slowing down but there's there's younger guys but it's funny how the older guys can still hold their own with the younger ones the newer ones coming in because the wisdom does take precedence over the the brute and running a lot of times (laughs) well i remember bert saying guy named bert dissinger who we both know very well uh said that all the newcomers come into deck hockey thinking that it's ice hockey and it's certainly not it's certainly a different sport, and the old guys know that. Yeah. So they know where to go. They know what to do, and the old guys run, and the young guys run around like nuts, and they can't figure it out. Yeah, and when you have guys that are older that played together their whole life, you know exactly where everybody is when they're going to pass the ball, and it just yeah makes it so much easier. So that gives me a little bit of a segue from from Bert Dissinger to disc golf. Yes. So go ahead, talk about how you were introduced to disc golf. 
I think it was 79, 1979. Yeah, I'm old, I know. Uh, <laughs> we're at the hockey rink and Bert says, hey, you want to go try this new sport we invented called disc golf? Frisbee golf, he said. And I said, yeah, yeah, what the heck? So we drove up to the Conard Weiser Park and played, uh, played around on this impromptu course that they made up hitting objects and monuments and everything. And I fell in love with the game and we went up playing all the time. It was awesome. And that, that was my introduction. Probably about mid 80s, somebody told me about they had a course at French Creek and we ventured down one day and lo and behold, that was our introduction to baskets. We didn't know what baskets were until then. Hell, we thought we invented the game. <laughs> <laughs> and only, little did we find out this was some phenomenon going on, you know, that was taken off like crazy. And it was just a whole different world then after that when we found out with discs and baskets. So you went down to French Creek and you used, you used Frisbees. Uh, we took frisbees down, and then we that had to be quite an experience. Well, yeah, we played with some guys, and we found out what discs were, and then it was just uh, from there on, it just took off. But yeah, that was our introduction to the real disc golf that we thought we invented. So after after the French Creek experience, is that when you really started to to get into the game? Oh yeah, we we started traveling. Uh, back then, you you couldn't just drive ten or fifteen minutes to a course; you had to drive a long way. Our closest course was either French Creek or Akron. And even Akron, that was pretty new back in the day. It was, those were the two closest courses, unless you wanted to go to Philly, but, and that was it. That's all you had to go do by, you know, unless you wanted to go to Wiser and hit monuments or targets. But if you wanted to play actual Frisbee golf with baskets, you had to travel. What is it about the sport that you love so much? The camaraderie, the challenge, uh, to try and better yourself. You know, you go out with friends and yeah, there's a, you know, there's competitiveness there amongst friends. I'm very competitive. You know, and you always want to do better than the other people you're with. But at the same token, you know, you want to make your game better. So you're always focused on bettering your own game. But the camaraderie is most of it. You, you know, you, you meet a lot of good friends over the years and, you know, friendships that have been in, in my life for since I started. You have a ton of friends through hockey and disc golf. Yeah, I do. My wife always says you have way too many friends. <laughs> <laughs> said you can never have enough friends. That's right. You started playing. How did you learn how to get better? Playing with better people, uh, listening to advice, asking questions. You know, because you and I, when we're growing up, there's no YouTube. No, you know, there, no, you, no, no tutorials yeah. and very little in print, I believe. So it was just through experience. Yeah, it, it's it's kind of like any sport. When I wrestled, you know, if you wrestled a better wrestler, if you avoided the better wrestlers, you never got better. You went after people that you could learn by, you could learn from, and that's how you got better. Mm-hmm. A few minutes ago, you said that you had to travel quite a bit to, to get to a course that had baskets. And now, now I, I look at Lebanon and I think you have your pick of what type of course you want to play. I count four main courses in this area, but soon to be five, I believe. Well, I was counting the wetlands too, but we'll get to that in a minute. How did this grow? Well, uh, being on the rec board in Jackson Township, well, let's start it back in 2000. I bought this property and there's seven acres that with, uh, went with it behind the house. And uh, it was all brush and overgrown, and we always had a passion to have a course in Lebanon County. A couple of us started clearing the brush and burning it, and we set up a 18-hole course eventually. And by 2001, it was in the ground, and that was the only course we had, but it got played a lot. And 
So right here. Yeah, right behind my house. So why wetlands? Well, on a day like today, you would have went out there, you would know. <laughs> it was very marshy and, and wet. <laughs> I thought maybe it was a joke or something like no, that. No, that, no. That's just, ac- just an accurate yeah. description. <laughs> the guys that were playing here one day, we had a flash thunderstorm come through, and we cast sat up in the house waiting for it to stop because we were gonna, we were deemed we were going to play that day. Well, the baskets, a couple baskets were underwater, and it was it was just ridiculous. But that that's the day it got deemed a Dunkel's wetlands. So. That course no longer functions, right? No, no. With all the courses we have around, it was not being used as much because it wasn't a lot of crisscross holes. Because we wanted eighteen holes, and it was only seven acres, so you had a lot of crisscrossing, and it wasn't deemed a really good course, not by any standards that we have in the area. So the one neighbor offered me substantial money to buy part of the land and. I took them up on the offer. Good move. Yeah. And so those baskets moved to other locations? Uh, I have some of them out back. The rest of them are at the new course. As we finish holes, we put the baskets there to play them so we can make sure we tweak it in and get the new course in, in line. Which course was the first to be built? Jackson. Yeah, it was uh, JRP, Jackson. Mm-hmm. That was uh, when I was on the rec board. I asked if we could possibly put a course in and got it approved and... Uh, that was the first one that went in. I'm not sure. I think it's about 10 years now. That's a real wet course. Yeah, there's a lot of holes with water there, as you know. <laughs> yeah, there's a creek that runs through the course that comes into play a couple times. From what I understand, there have been some improvements made. We have a few holes. Four holes have long basket locations. Uh, we're limited in in land space, so we could only long make four holes longer. But yeah, there's been some improvements. There's some walking paths put in. A, a bridge, I believe. Some bridges, yep. Which were key, I think. Yeah, they were key because you're kind of landlocked on the island when you went out there. And if you threw it on the other side, you couldn't wait to get your disc until you went out around. So, yes. Any plans on on making the tee pads permanent? Actually, it's funny you just said that. The tee pads are showing their age. The pressure-treated wood's rotting and the rubber's ripping on some of them. So, uh, it's been approved. And I actually had a meeting last week with the the road crew guy. We're going to put cement ones in. Oh, that's great. Yeah, this spring. Township will take care of that? Or? Yes, the township is nice. It's always good when they're yeah. paying for it. Yes, yeah. <laughs> so Jackson goes in first. What's the second course? The second course, as uh, soon as Jackson was done, pretty much, uh, we got a call from the, the guy in charge of South Hills. And he, uh, he said he heard about this disc golf and wanted us to come up and look if it was a fit. So we went up, and sure enough, they had plenty of land. And when you have a lot of land, it's a nice canvas to work with because... You're not limited to how much space you have and how you can fit it. That was the second course that went in Lebanon County. And uh, that worked out really well because the Boger Cement donated all this. We had so many, so many people stepped up. Uh, we had 18 sponsors for the second baskets. We had, the park bought the first set. We spon- they had sponsors for the cement. They had sponsors for the lumber, sponsors for the T-signs. It was like everything just, that, that course, everything fell together. and. It was a matter of months, and it was in the ground, and everything was paid for. Now, did you have a hand in designing? Yes. One? My, my partner and I, Charlie. Bo- both Jackson and? Yes. We, oh, we, that's great. We designed both of those. Yeah. Well, South Hills, I think, is a, is a great course. I, I like Jackson. Jackson, you can get through in about 45 minutes, an hour. It's almost like a, a flat bookmiller, I call it. But South Hills is, I think, a very challenging course. It can be a very challenging course if you play, especially if you play the Red Baskets. The Red Baskets. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so well done, sir. Yeah, thank you very much. I mean, it's it's all about growing the sport. Funny story, when we put Jackson in, I went to the local mom and pop sporting goods store in Marshtown and I said, hey, uh, you might want to start carrying discs in here. 
we put a course in town and people are going to start wanting to buy disc and you could sell a lot of them to make, make up for it, you know, make some money. And he looked at me and he said, you really think something like that's going to go around here? And I said, Hey, I just thought I'd offer. So he bought 25 discs, put them in the store. He sold out in two weeks. <laughs> the last time I was in, I said to, to him, I said, Hey, how's it going with the disc skills? He said, you know what? The two biggest sellers in my store are guns and discs. I said, are you kidding? He said, nope. <laughs> I said, I told you you'd be selling discs. What's the store? Laux, Sporting Goods. Laux, yeah. yeah. I think he mostly sells, a, is it Dynamic? He has all brands now. Oh, does he? Oh, he, he, he really expanded. Yeah, he has all kinds now. Oh, I might have to stop there after, yeah. the, after today. <laughs> so South Hills, would you say that that's the course that gets the most play? Oh my goodness. Yeah. That, that course is, it's, it's a friendly, it's a user-friendly course, especially for beginners. You know, the, the, the chance of losing a disc, you don't have water. Right. So you had Jackson, South Hills, and then Lenape? Yeah. Then Lenape went in. Then Lenape, uh, then, then they found out about South Hills. Then they contacted me and my partner about doing a, a course there. Uh, the challenge there was, it was, it was June and they were under time constraints. They had to get the course in before September to get their grant money. So that's a large undertaking to get that in, especially when everything's greened up. But we, we went through and we, we roughed it in and got it in the ground. They were a big help with uh, the initial putting the course in. Like They came in with equipment and helped us out a lot. Uh, since then, there's a new person in charge at the township there and we are kind of like doing all the maintenance there anymore because they kind of did away with the rec fund for the park there, which is really a bummer because it's a beautiful park. What I like about Lenape, it's, it's not a big course, but you did such a fantastic job utilizing the area you had. And I think for a small course like that, it's a challenge because you need such a variety of shots to succeed there. I mean, there, there are a couple bomber holes, then there's some very, very technical holes. Uh, I, I think it's a very enjoyable course to play. You were limited in size there. Uh, my partner and I, it took us about a week going out there every day, walking around, trying to plan that out. Had some outside help. Link Morgan came out and helped us out a couple of days when we were kind of looking for different ideas. And that's what's nice about the disc golf community. You can you can call people up in a whim, and a lot of times they'll come right out to help you out. It, yeah, we, we really took our time and tried to really make that an, a good course for the amount of room we had. And we had some good open holes. Naturally, we don't have water there, but you, you can only have what you're given, you know. But yeah, we we enjoy it. It's a short technical course most of the way through the woods anyway that you have to, it really does help your game when you're there playing because you have to learn how to throw around things and through trees and it, it does help that part of your game. And and again, it's it's not so big that you pro you won't lose a disc. Yeah, unless the leaves are falling and it goes under leaves somewhere. So there's a new one going in. Yes. Talk about that. We got a call. Uh, well, actually, I got a, it was a teacher from Palmyra. He, he had contacted me and uh, asked me about going out to look at it. And I did. And then the camp director had got a hold of me and wanted me to come out and give a presentation. Well, over the years of designing courses and putting them in, I've, for every 10 presentations I give, which I could name probably two dozen right off the, you know, that we've done. Uh, usually get about one that goes in. Wow. So I didn't know what to expect, but, uh, you know, years ago when I'd give a presentation, you might find one person in the room that heard of disc golf and you'd have to explain everything, the <laughs> yeah. whole concept. This last one, there was 20 some people in this, I expected six and there was 24 people in this room 
at Camp Spatara, and everybody in the room had heard of it, played it, tried it, knew where a course was. It, it was everybody there. Not one person did not know what it was about. That has to help. It, it does. And the camp director originally said they wanted something very simple, very basic, short, no, no anything extra, just baskets, wood, you know, dirt tees. And, oh, okay. And, and I was like, okay. I said, would, would you mind if I presented different options? So I presented different options, which I always do. You know, your, your low case course to your high, high end course. And people bought in right off the bat. They, they, they're looking at it as a future, something to add to their park, to their campground. that's going to be open to the public. Well, 18 holes? Oh, 18 holes. Going to have two, two tees for every uh, hole. Kind of like wow. South Hills, but instead of two baskets, it's going to have two tees. Oh, great. Yes. And how far along is it? Uh, we're on hole 14. It's, it's a very, it's a lot of work. I mean, this, this is, they, there's 800 some acres there and they designated one whole big area to us to just like a blank canvas. Here you go. There's two creeks that run through it. There's a pond, high elevation, some bomber shots. There's, it's going to be a par 62. I think the way it looks right now. So it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. The short tees are going to be very beginner friendly. The par is going to probably be a regular par for that, like 54. But then when you play the long tees, it's going to up the game dramatically. I've had a lot of people out for input. I've utilized a lot of people, good players to get input on different things. Another one there, Link Morgan, was a big help. He uh, kind of pointed some things out on some holes. We completely redesigned hole five, which is a major headache, but it, it's beautiful now. So, you know, you get some... Feedback and, you know, like feedback all the time, but sometimes you have to sit back and take it and think about it. And, you know, it, it definitely was a help. The work that is needed at Swatara, clearing trees and underbrush. Yes. How, how are you doing that? <sighs> a lot of blood, sweat and tears. It's the, it's the hardest work you're ever going to love. Uh, we uh, chainsaws, gas powered hedge trimmers, gas powered. Let me stop you on that because <laughs> does the township supply the, the equipment or is it personal? No, it's my personal equipment. Okay. I bought all these things over the years and had them partly for my land, you know, my course when we put it in, but it's been used on every course. And they're, and they've given you carte blanche. Like you. Yep. They that, just said, here well, you that's, go. That's great. Yeah. It, it is nice. I mean, some places you put them in, they, they give you, you know, they designate certain areas you can't be in and things like that. But this is, this was like a whole big section and just said, here you go. And this is going to be open to the public? Yes, it will be open to the public. We're trying to get it in before May. The more help we get, the more it, the quicker it goes. We've been having a lot of good help lately. And uh, with the winter we've had, it's great because, you know, when there's no, if we get a big snow or something, we're dead in the water till spring. Right. So it's really So far, nice. so good this so winter. So far, it's been great. Yeah. Got some great comments on the course. I think it's really going to be up there. I think it'll definitely be the best course we've ever done. They're going to charge two dollars there to play disc golf. You can come in and pay two dollars to disc golf, and but that which that's, is extremely reasonable. That's reasonable, yes, yeah. Absolutely. Especially when you see the course. You know, I think when people come to play the course, they're going to love it. The goal of breaking chains is to grow the sport by presenting fellow disc golfers who have inspirational stories. If you were someone you know would like to be on the show, don't be shy. Send an email to either breakingchainsdg at gmail.com or rockfishproductions at gmail.com. If you'd like to contribute to Breaking Chains, simply go to the show site, 
www.rockfishproductions.com and click on the red button at the bottom of the page. This episode's guest is Mike Dunkel. In the episode's second half, Mike talks about the Lebanon Disc Golf League, creating and designing new courses, and the Conrad Weiser Open. This is Breaking Chains. Here in, in Lebanon, you have a fairly strong, no, you have a very strong league set up. Describe that because you go from place to place. Yeah, we alternate each week at a different course. Uh, we have a rotation and uh, we've, we've always tried to be as fair to all different players. So we don't really give, we don't give prizes out for the best round per se at each week. Uh, we have a drawing each week for a disc of choice and then oh, Bill cool. Gobble comes up usually and he has his stock and then you get to pick a disc of your choice, which is more, we believe more fair every player that's there because you have all different groups of people coming at different mm-hmm. skill levels. Uh, at the end of the year, we honor the people that do better uh, in our end of the year banquet. We, uh, we like to give more awards out then to the people that are excel more. So actually Mike Snyder is uh, one of our members that is really stepping up. He, uh, he, he wants to run tags for us this year and I, he's ready to go. So this year we'll have tags for the people that want to do that. So this next question, you sort of answered already, but is your club responsible for the maintenance in all the courses or just a few? Every, every park has its own aspects when it comes to what they want you to do or what they want. You know, they'll, they'll go so far with you. Like I said, Lenny, a new person in charge of the rec there decided they weren't going to come in and really do a lot for it. So we kind of took Lenny over ourselves, like keeping it, you know, weed whacked and cleaned up. South Hills, we don't touch. They do a wonderful, marvelous job there. That's they, nice. That's they've actually been doing a lot of work there. Whole nine and ten, uh, they had a lot of those tree of heavens with the spotted lanternfly, and they went in and just totally cut them all out, which devastated the woods at nine and ten because it was eighty percent those trees. They had a landscaper come in and donate his time, and he's he planted all kinds of trees. So in years to come, those holes will be back to even harder than they were now. The South Hills does a wonderful job of doing their own. Jackson, we don't touch. that. That's all maintained by the township. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So right now, that gives you the time to focus on Swatara. Yes, and that's and especially this time of year, it's awesome. Because in the summertime, we do spend some time at Lenny keeping that up. Will they, in terms of Swatara, regarding Swatara, will they do the upkeep there? Or will you need yeah, to Yeah, they're going to do the upkeep. Uh, you know, we'll probably go in every now and then to help them out if they need it. But they have a tractor with a big brush hog on the back. Uh, we're cutting every stump, every tree. We're cutting it flush with the ground. Yeah. Uh, I think I've gone through 20 chainsaw blades so far trying to do that because one little nick and you're exactly. shot. So, but we're trying to make, we're, we're putting the course in so that they can maintain it with minimal ease. So you said something about, I, I need to ask just for my own personal information. You said that there's a tractor with a brush hog on the back. Yeah. And, and that's what you use to clear the, the underbrush. Well, no, that's what they're going to use to maintain the, the fairways of the course once we get it in. How did you get rid of all the underbrush? Uh, by hand or? By hand. Oh, boy. Yeah, we, uh, we, we, we usually go with our edges. We figure what trees are the edge of the fairway and then anything in the middle is all taken out. And that's usually with use? a gas-powered hedge trimmer. Okay. For like the sticker bushes, which are terrible. They're my worst enemy. The the small saplings and trees and big bushes, we use the chainsaw to cut out. And then all we're doing there, since we have so much land and there's so much space between holes, we just drag it up in the woods and make piles. And uh, that's how we're getting rid of all the stuff we cut. So the sticker bushes, you're just cutting or are you pulling them out? 
No, we're cutting them, cutting them down flush with the ground. They're going to come up, but with the brush hog on the tractor, they'll be able to keep them oh, great. mowed yeah. down. And over time, it should not be a problem. Let's talk about this Wiser Open because, you know, years and years ago, Bert, Bert <laughs> takes you up to the Wiser Park and you're hitting objects. And now this, this tournament that has been running for how many years? This will be the 40th year consecutively. The 40th year. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah, it is. Uh, has become one of the favorites for so many people. Uh, they love that tournament. And I have one one beef with that tournament, but we'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> so how did that all start? Well, and like I told you before, they, uh, we thought they thought they'd invented a game and they, for jokes, they said, Oh, we're going to have the open next year. And 1980 was the first year. And uh, we might've had a dozen people that played, they got a trophy and they got your name engraved on it. And you had to bring it back the following year. And John Gearhart used to run it uh, until I think it was around 1990. And then he wanted he got out of playing and he, I took it over. And from then on, I've had it. I'd say eight years ago, it started filling up every year. And we actually went and got permission. We were actually going to have a permanent course in there. And the friends of the Conard Weiser Park wanted it. Uh, it got all the way to the museum commission. And they said, no, they said, they'll, they'll never put a course in because the Olmstead brothers, which designed New York Central Park, designed that landscaping there. And they didn't want any sporting event stuff in the park. So they, they allow us to do our, our tournament every year. And as well, they should, uh, $5 from every entry goes to the park. And, uh, it's a nice contribution to them for, you know, they, they do need the money. The friends group has to run the park all by itself. Now the state, they lost all state funding. So we, we use, utilize the park for that one weekend a year. And it's, it's a great tournament. People look forward to it. Maybe that's what makes it special. Back in the day, that was the longest tournament. That was the longest course anywhere. There was no court. There was no courses over seven thousand feet back then. And uh, well, now nowadays it's short. Back in the day, it was a giant. Then we used to when we first played, we used to use lids. We didn't have discs. We had lids. That's what we played with. So it really was a long course. Yeah, I would imagine so. I mean, you played two rounds and your arm hurt with a lid, but but it's grown to the point it's now. I it sells out and. Less than half an hour. Uh, this year, we're doing a really big event. Mike Salt's going to run it this Salt's year. going to yeah. run it this year. It's going to be a two-day event. Ams are one day and uh, pros are the other. I'm sure it'll sell out both days. We're going to have special t-shirts. Oh, special cool. discs are going to get made. So, so here's my beef. Yeah, I'd like to hear this. <laughs> Look, that pond. Oh, jeez, the pond. The, the pond you has to be- You and Mike Snyder about the pond. The pond, <laughs> the pond must be just filled with plastic. Yep. From what I hear, they won't allow anyone to go in yeah. and dig it all out. Why? For safety reasons, they do not want anybody in that water. They they put they put Get a, Bill an aeration. Get some scuba gear and let oh, him go. Bill would go in there without anything. <laughs> I know that. If he goes in the Akron pond, <laughs> but, he'll go in that yeah. one. <laughs> and and Bill's been a very big help, and he's been a oh, he's tremendous. Between him and I, we do a great job in running that tournament. Yeah. Uh, and we're going to go back to that uh, this year. I just wanted to do something special for the fortieth. Yeah. And and go a little bit bigger than what we usually do. But yeah, getting back to the pond, we, we, I have some of my favorite discs are in there. Some from way back that are probably worth so much money now. I, I would love to go in there. One day, if they deem that pond, they got to drain it. I'm, I'm going to be the first guy down there. Give me a call. I'll help <laughs> Taking you. through the mud or whatever the mud they dig up. I'm going to, I'm going to have a sifter there or something. Because <laughs> <laughs> there'll probably be a thousand discs in that pond. I think easily. Yeah, it's because especially it's been, hole two in the second round. I bet you 
half the people. Oh, I dumped one in. I dumped one of my favorite discs in there, and I thought, I'm going to say something to Mike. This past year, I didn't play because it was so many people, and I helped. I wanted to help Bill run it, and uh, it was killing me. But I sat at hole two, second round, and just watched. And I bet you half the field. And it's kind of funny because if you don't get a drive far enough down there on that first drive, and you just look at the people's facial expressions, and, and I would make many comments like, uh-oh. Mm-hmm. Oh, going to get the big boy pants out. You know, you're looking at them thinking, yeah, they're going to go for it. I can see it coming. And it's it's just, it's hilarious. So you sit there. I sat there for the whole second round just about, and I just laughed. It was like, people just think they're going to make, I got to make it over. I got to make it over. And, and, and then, if you don't get a drive all the way down there, the smart play is just to lay is up, lay it right up. But, but even then that the next shot is not that easy because no, that basket is on a very narrow Yep. A very small area, like almost like an island. Yeah. And there's a creek to the left. Yeah. It, it, it's, a, it's a very daunting, challenging hole. I yeah. mean, you can love it or hate it. And most people get pissed. But I think it's, I think it's like this one of the, I think it's one of the signature holes on the course. It is. Play. It's very it difficult. Nice. It's very pretty. And that's the great thing about that course. It is, it's just gorgeous. And uh, I know that another favorite hole is the, the hole that has the statue. Oh, the Chief Shikolemi hole. That, that's been there since day one. Uh, that's always been the. Uh, I noticed the a lot of people getting their photos. Yeah, yeah, that that's been on many discs and T-shirts, and and the one year I didn't have it on, and everybody complained. Well, why didn't you put the chief on there? I was like, all right, well, all right, bring the chief back again. <laughs> so, but yeah, it's it's a it's tradition. I mean, like you know, you have the the Philly Open, you know, Sedgley Woods. That's yep. history. You know, it's the second course in the country. I mean, I don't know where this ranks in that. Probably not near what they're at. But I mean, we probably well, have 40, to have 40 one years. Of, I'm thinking. Yeah, the, the tournament we run consecutively every year. This will be our 40th consecutive year. And I mean, it's kind of neat. You look at that trophy and we're on the backside of the trophy now. I mean, the trophy's showing its age. And somebody said, I said about maybe getting a new one. And they're like, well, no, that that every little ding on that trophy is is a meaning. You know, yeah. that's been given tracked down and given out all these years. Well, we, we're on the second plate on the back. With names, and I, I don't know what we'll do when that fills up. You know, some people are on there four times, and, and now we have trophies for every division because people were complaining, you know, they're getting too old. We can't compete in those young guys, you know. So <laughs> well, we went, that is true. You know, we got, yeah, I agree with that totally, too. So we, 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 we've been branching out. Now, this year it'll be a PDGA event, which I've always wanted to do. I've gotten voted down over the years in our club as to keeping it tradition, but I've always wanted it to be a PDGA, but... I think we're going to lean more towards that now that we're going forward. But I don't know why you would. And I mean, it's it's a tough course. Yeah. You know, people can get in it and get points out of it. Yeah. And if we go to a two day every year from here on out, people should get into the tournament. Mm-hmm. You know, there was bitterness out there last year. I, I, I couldn't help it because I did everything online myself. And oh, my God, when the phone, when it, when it opened up, it was just. I was inundated for hours at the computer, just taking emails and messages. And when I, when it sold out that quick, people were pissed and I, I'm sorry, but you know, there's only so many, so much room. Right. Well, the, the Philly open that, that fills in a matter of minutes. Yeah. And you know, a lot know, of sold these events, a lot of Mike Soltz events. They just, if you're not by your phone or on that computer, right. When they open, you're not going to get in. That's showing how our sport is and how it's grown. Mm-hmm. Years ago, you didn't sign up for a tournament. You just went. And you might have had 30, 40 people. I remember the first French Creek tournament. I think there was maybe 40 or 50. And I was like in awe. But you didn't sign up. You just showed up, you know, paid your money and played. Thankfully, we have this golf scene. Yeah. You know, because you can never does. do that nowadays. You know, no. you, you might not play. You, you, you won't play because they sell out. 
beside the Wiser event, are there any major events that you hold during the year? I've kind of stepped away except for the Wiser doing events. I, I focus more on the courses and keeping them maintained. And, you know, my partner and I putting courses in, we kind of focus on trying to promote it more that way. And the league, running the league, I, I just don't have time to be running tournaments. Plus, when you do a tournament, you almost have to have your own stash of discs to give for prizes, which means you need inventory, which means you have to stock inventory, which is a lot of, that's a whole job in itself. Ask Bill Geibel. He'll yeah. tell you. Oh, yeah. I, I didn't want to deal with that. I mean, that would have been another headache for me. So I never really got into that. I, and I am so thankful we have tournament directors in our area that are taken off with this. A lot of new ones. You know, you have Sean. Sean Conroy, yeah. Yes, he's he's he does tournaments good now guy. and it's good events. Yeah, he's a great guy. Uh, I wish I could play more events than I do. I'm just so busy. But so whenever a, a tournament director says to me, "Hey, would you mind if we run a tournament?" I'm like, "No, come in, please. <laughs> I'll sponsor a hole. I'll do whatever. You know, I want you to do it because I want tournaments in our area. I just do not want to be the one that does them. And the Lancaster boys are always having tournaments. They come up and do an event for us at the Cross Town. South Hills South and then Hills Lenape. Lenape. Yeah. yeah. Like, what are some of your favorite courses that are not in this area? I played La Mirada when I went to visit my son in California oh, last wow. year. That was on a beautiful kind of historic history course. Deer Lakes Park out in Pittsburgh, beautiful course. Moraine. Moraine, yeah. Moraine's a beautiful course. Uh, we have some beautiful courses right around. You said Klein's Run earlier. Another great course. Muddy Run. That's my I, personal I, I, favorite. I, Muddy Run is, I mean... Kurt and, and Justin and anybody else that was part of that did a wonderful job with that. I, I Kudos to them. They did a great job in that course. Have you played ship since it has a new layout? No, I didn't get down to ship lately. Uh, they Travis and his crew, they did an unbelievable job. It's all now concrete pads. Two, I think two per hole. There might be a couple holes where it's just one, but PDGA came in and said you had to do so many oh, things. Oh, yeah, with Worlds there, yes. Yeah, and so they went in and it's... It's a completely different course when you play the M Worlds layout. I personally love it. It's a little shorter, uh, okay. but it's but it's, it's it so much fun. It was a bomber fun. course back in when I played oh, yeah. it last. Yeah, and, and and Travis, he he kind of put that in. I think it was a, his Boy Scout project, actually. I think no, back it, was, in, it wasn't even Boy Scout. It's just he. It was he, Travis he, and a he couple was the of his guy buddies that did that from yep. the beginning. Yep. And I remember going to the grand opening of that. Bill had an event there. That those are the people that have grown this sport. Those kinds of people right there that. Take the bull by the horns, and it's a lot of work. Trust me, people don't realize the work that goes involved in trying to get a course put in, and and you, you wouldn't think there'd be resistance, but you do get resistance from some people. What do you think is the best way to grow the sport? Hmm. Build them, and they will come. I mean, we put court, the first course in, and in my vision, I never expected it to get where it is now so quick. I, I think uh, there's room for more growth. I think you go out. On a Sunday afternoon at South Hills, and just stand there and look around, and it's in, you can be in awe of how many people, all different ages, all different families. I mean, it, it's just getting huge. And you've accomplished quite a bit in this area to make that happen, Mike. Everybody does. Everybody's a part of it. Yeah, I, I don't know what else to say. I think just the people that really push it and build the courses and promote it. I said to you, I said, I, you know, I, I, had to, I could have had some really neat discs over the years, but I, I used to give discs out all the time. You know, you had extra disc, you just, hey, here's a new guy. Hey, take this, keep it, keep it. You know, I just, you know, rather than put them away and save them. Yeah, that's, that's what you need to do to promote it. You have a choice to play deck hockey or go play around with disc golf. Uh, what do you well, do? Well, I, I, that's easy for me anymore. I, I, my 
stopped playing deck hockey last spring. I got some knee issues that I can't. Oh, no. And if, if the knee issues started affecting my disc golf, because it's my plant foot knee and the pain was getting excruciating. So I've stopped the deck hockey so I can continue on the disc golf. So, but in my, in, my day, day, my that would, <laughs> in my day, that would have been a tough one. <laughs> you know, back when, when Western Berks was open, it was the best of both worlds. You know, you went and played deck hockey, then you went and played disc golf. Oh, man, you know? I can't. So. I didn't even know about disc golf back then. <laughs> I know. It's amazing. That, my friends, is the signal for the rapid fire round. To complete each episode of Breaking Chains, I'll fire random questions at my guests. Some of the questions will be disc golf related, others not so much. Okay, Mike, here we go. Do you carry your bag or do you use a cart? I carry my bag. Oldest disc you have? Uh, A rock. Favorite cartoon when you were a kid? Oh, Bugs Bunny Roadrunner. If you could play 18 with any pro, male or female, who would it be? Paul Macbeth. Name of your first pet? Frisbee. Have you ever stopped mid-round because you weren't playing well? No. Favorite restaurant? Johnny's Steakhouse. Where's that? Uh, Reamstown, Denver. Wooded or bomber courses? Which do you prefer? Wooded now. When I was younger, I liked the bomber courses, but the old arm don't go as far as it used to. Favorite movie? Rink Rats. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> that was an awesome movie. What do you mean? I can't bring myself to watch that. Best course you ever played? Deer Lakes Park. Mike, thank you so much for the interview. I really appreciate it. That was awesome. That that wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to (laughs) be. That wraps up this episode of Breaking Chains. A big thanks to Mike Dunkel. Kevin McLeod wrote and performed the show's theme, Unwritten Return, and Big Rock. The music at the break, Indie Surf Rock, was written and performed by Benji Jackson. This podcast is copyrighted by Rockfish Productions, LLC. LLC.